0: Have you all heard of Valor's Veterans Community AZ? Well, let me tell you about them. They are a 501c3 nonprofit which helps organize social gatherings and volunteer opportunities for veterans and their families. VVC was created in 2018 by our good friend, Ro Gonzalez. You may have heard him on this show before. Uh, this guy's awesome, man. He's got the hookup to all sorts of sporting events, movie premieres, and all kinds of cool shit. Bringing like-minded people together not only allows everyone to share resources, but also helps reconnect that bond military members had while they were still in the service. VVCAZ also holds a monthly coffee social the third Saturday of every month where local organizations can share their resources. Their goal is to build Arizona's strongest veteran community by engaging veterans one at a time. Please check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and ValorsVeteransCommunityAZ.org. Falling! All right, all right, everybody take a seat, grab a drink, let's get this show started. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Motivation Alley. Today's gonna be another good one. I know I say this every single time, uh, but you know I-, I love the guests. I love the people that that we have on here. Um, I've uh, been talking uh, to uh, Pete for a while now, and so we've we've got some some really cool and fun stuff to talk to you about. Uh, I'm especially interested in his story and and what he's got to talk about. Again, another cartoonist, another Milton artist, right? Creator, uh, director, writer, uh, producer, everything under the sun for GI Low. So Pete, um, welcome to the show, man. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're up to these days.
1: Well, I'm honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm Pete Barlow. Uh, I'm the author-illustrator of GI Low. Um, I've been in the military for, uh, 10 years and I've been making my comic for 10 years because I started doodling the comic when I was in basic training. Um, so I should mention, um, in case you're wondering, um, if you follow my comic, you're like, I haven't seen 10 years worth of material. That is because I took a five year break. Um, so while I was in basic training, um, I just started doodling comics. Um, I, I, I never really aspired to be a cartoonist or write a comic strip. Um, my background was I went to film school, so I was gonna be a film director. Um, but I just thought writing comic strips was more fun than just writing a letter to uh, my loved ones. Um, and so I just made this little comic, and at the time it was called The Adventures of G.I. Lowe. And um, I'd send them to people, and people would write back, oh, these are really funny, you should keep this up. And of course um, that went right to my ego and I was like, I might have something here and the 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 real thought process was that there was only one military comic strip out there one and that was Beetle Bailey and it as, as much as I respected it, it. It's very much set in that sort of in-between time of between Korea and Vietnam and I was like, there's a gap there for a contemporary comic about what the military is like and I think I could fill that gap. And then on Family Day of basic training, uh, my parents took me to clothing sales, and I found a copy of Private Murphy's Law. Yeah, and I was reading it and thought, "Damn, someone else had this idea, and he's funnier than me." Um, so I mean, it it was just a very quick, just like. Dream shattered that that is just how little I was thinking about it at the time not that there could be more than one military cartoonist out there but I was like oh someone else did this okay never mind moving on um, jump forward a few years um, and I was stationed in Germany at the time and I was uh, just on staff duty and pull up Microsoft paint and I was like you know what let me give this another shot and I did and shared it on Facebook and immediately people were like this is good keep it up and uh, the rest the rest is history exactly. and now you're here.
0: so, yes, obviously, um you're talking about, you know, Private Murphy, you're talking about Mark Baker, right, which he's been on the show before. Um, so I had the same feelings, um, just like you mentioned. like, you know, this guy was, you know kind of a, a hero when it comes to military cartoons because I always felt like Private Murphy was like the Charlie Brown. like if Charlie Brown had joined the military. That's Private Murphy, right? And um, I I, I just appreciated that. I appreciated the the realism. And like you, something that was meant for us, um, uh, veterans of our generation, um, while I was still in, you know, and and it, it just represented our culture. And it still continues to do that. So for me, that was you know, my favorite part and why I, I I love Mark Baker's creation. And when I first met him I thought the same thing as you but he's so reserved. He's such a quiet guy. He's he's awesome but he's
1: so nice. It's it was like super nice. Surprising.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah go ahead.
1: Well uh I was gonna say uh one of the first things he did uh when he messaged me um was he recommended we kind of create this uh aggregator page of just bring together all the military cartoonists um now uh, you, you know the name miltoons my recommendation was the joint chiefs of lash
0: that's hilarious i so was, you guys created the the term miltoons together
1: um i don't know who specifically coined it it wasn't me um but uh yeah it was uh, just this idea of you know we're stronger together than we are separate and uh, immediately after starting Miltunes, uh my 1,000 followers went to 2,000. It was just day and night. It was incredible.
0: That's awesome. See, I didn't know that this was like kind of a, a collaborative effort or like you said, you know, the, the joint chiefs of laugh. Is that what you were going to say? Joint was...
1: chiefs of laugh was my suggestion. That's... And unfortunately, no one liked it.
0: Well, it's that's, really corny. That's that's it. That's, you know, it, it, is, it is what it is. I like it. Uh, but, you know, you got to go with, with the group. So... Yeah um yeah so i mean i i myself i know we've talked about this before you know i i have a cartoon that i drew you know only only um a few of them um but i i've always been an artist and i've always doodled and and you talk you mentioned about in basic training this is when you start drawing i would do the same things and i would you know my letters i would always include some kind of drawing or something in fact i was considered the platoon artist because i did paintings in our bay you know when our drill Ah. sergeants wanted to decorate we were the dark knights and so i did the big massive painting of a dark knight and of course military and your basic training everything is is kill, right and so we were you know we had a knight it was dark and he had a bloody sword and he had a shield with like blood on it and so it was gory right and so um, I, I Ever since then, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But like you, it's interesting that you say you kind of took five years off. I, I kind of did the same thing while I was in the military. I kind of stopped drawing for a long time until I ended up in a public affairs unit. And that's where I got the idea. That's where, first of all, I, I, I heard about you know Private Murphy. Uh, I used to post his cartoons in that newspaper, the military newspaper. And so I got the idea, and that's where I created my own called Dingbats. And then, I, you know, I, I, I got out and I, you know, kind of stopped that and put that aside and I continued to draw and paint. But, I, you know, I never thought like, oh, this would be a thing. And now I'm kind of inspired by you guys uh, ever since talking to Mark Baker and then now you. And I've also uh, interviewed um, Scuttlebutt, uh, Megan Wilcoxon. And she's also another amazing artist, a veteran uh, Navy, I believe. And so, you know, it's cool okay. to just run into all these different folks
1: um it, it's it's incredible because <clears throat> like through this uh little uh side venture verse um <clears throat> sorry i've gotten to uh meet so many people i just idolize and whose work i respect so much um and then just kind of realizing oh, that they're just they're just people they're just cool people yeah super um,
0: like, quiet she's quiet and shy but funny same thing, Mark Baker, oh, hilarious. But And I know he's got some, some spider webs up there because, you know, he, he's got some great ideas, but he's just such a quiet guy. You're like, wow. And when, when you hear some of the stuff, you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's awesome. But that's a military, right? That's, that's, that's a veteran for you right there. Unassuming, right? Well,
1: I, but I respect um, Mark and Megan so much because they're doing something I don't think I could do, which is continue to make the comic after they got out of the military.
0: Yeah, and um, it, it, it now me, why I do mean, you say that? Because you, you lose touch with it, or what? what's uh, your thought?
1: I mean, I, I could prove myself wrong, but, uh, I mean, the inspiration for my comics, um, I, I, I don't look for it. It just arrives at my front door. Um, like, if, if you follow my comic, uh, the, the biggest transition I uh, had um, in the last couple of years is uh, I found out I was going to drill sergeant school, and so I was like, Lowe has to become a drill sergeant. And really, Lowe would never become a drill sergeant if I didn't. Right. Um, so I, I feel like I need that um, just inspiration to find me rather than the other way around. So both uh, Mark and Megan uh, ets and still continue to make these extremely funny comics. Um, so I, I think that says something about their uh, their creativity and imagination, which I'm not sure I have. Uh, like while I was at the Drill Sergeant Academy, um, I was taking notes the whole time And uh, I was just thinking, wouldn't this be easier if I just had a good imagination?
0: (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) But you know what? I mean, you do though, right? Even though you're saying that the stories just come to you, they they land at your doorstep, uh, you still have to have some kind of creativity to, to transition that story into a small comic. Because it's harder for me when you have to figure out how to tell the story in just a few words, right? So if you're talking about this full story, how do you tell it in two frames or three? For me, that was the hardest part is figuring out the right words to use when you're creating this comic. You know, so um, I don't know. I, I think you'll I think you'll do fine.
1: I, I hope so. Um, otherwise, I'll just have low ETS and then go new project.
0: Well, there you go. You can have uh, GI low as the veteran.
1: Yeah. You know, oh, the, that that that. There's. I'm. I, 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 as you are a veteran, I imagine you have plenty of stories.
0: Yes, and and so the it, the saga continues. So there you go. Right there alone, you've got something right there. But um, let's go back a little bit more because um, I just said more um, <laughs> a little bit more. Because uh, we were having a good time earlier talking about kind of you growing up in, in Chicago. Um, I don't know if growing up in Chicago. Chicago suburbs. The suburbs. There you go. Suburbs. Very
1: important distinction.
0: Well, not many people make that distinction, you know, which is, you know, funny. And that's one of the things we were kind of getting into. Um, I don't know how much uh, being from the Chicago suburbs, and I'm throwing quotation marks <laughs> up there, the, how much that played into you, you know, creating your, your comic book, uh, GI low and, and, and what that, you know, what that has to do with you. I know we talked about you living in Arizona and you're not necessarily in love with the, the, the atmosphere here because it's not, you know, it's not Chicago. It's not cold outside. It's freaking 130 degrees. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I just want to know, uh, from your perspective, what, what, what your childhood was like, um, you know, we—the last time you were on this show, we talked about serial killers, and uh, I just want to make sure you're not a serial killer. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh,
1: I have—I have definitely been accused of being a serial killer a couple times, uh, but uh, no, no. I, by, I, I, who has time to do that?
0: By some of the privates, maybe I'm sure.
1: Um, no, it, it was uh, at the Drillstone Academy. Uh, everyone assumed I was a serial killer, so oh, okay, well, that was that's
0: fun. Is that why you were so good on that other show?
1: Uh, possibly, you know I'm a subject matter expert.
0: No, that was uh, that was a fun show, but seriously, so okay, so let's get into it. You you grew up from the Chicago suburbs, and we were talking about I lived out there for a little over a year, right? I yeah, admit, we were too far apart. No, not not at all. And this was in '99, by the way. So
1: we, we would have been there at the same time uh,
0: in the same areas, um, your your old stomping grounds, right? We talked about some of the malls out there, some of the small towns, yeah, cities.
1: I think. I've been to the movie theater in Plaines before.
0: Yeah. Well, Plaines apparently, I, I didn't know this because I wasn't from there. I moved there with my best friend and um, after dabbling in, in college. Um, but um, we first moved in with his brother, and we lived in, in Chicago, that the actual city. After a few months, we moved out. We didn't know Desplains. I guess there's bad parts of Desplains, and um, or from what I hear, all of Displains is bad. So sorry if you're from Des Plaines, um but uh, apparently, you know, we moved into the most affordable uh, spot we could, and um, you know, we used to work in um, Ranhurst Small, which was another. It was in another town. I forget the name of that town, but it was neighboring Desplains. But we lived in Desplains and worked uh, at Ranher Small. And then you are from the Schomburg area, right, where they have yeah. an amazing mall.
1: The Woodfield Mall. and
0: that was where we would go when we <laughs> wanted to to really have fun and 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 find some some really cool stuff there because it, it's a pretty nice mall. I'm assuming it's still there
1: uh it's it's still there um I, at least as recently as uh last Christmas.
0: So Ranhurst um, Mall is not. Just, just, just so we're comparatively speaking
1: here. Ran well, her I was small. about to <laughs> shame. Uh, it's like if you work at the Randhurst Mall, Woodfield looks down on you. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, and that, and that's I worked at the. I'll just say I worked at the Applebee's right there. You know,
1: yes. Oh, that's fancy.
0: Those are great years, by the way. So, because <laughs> you're talking about two 19-year-old kids who moved to Chicago on their own, and we had our own place, and most of the people that worked there, they were. Um, either our age or a few years older than us but they all lived at home or they were going to school or something and me and this guy my buddy were the only ones that had our own place so that's the that was the party place that's where everybody went um, we weren't 21 yet but you know um, um, we didn't have to buy a liquor because we had the place we offered you the place to come and hang out and they brought the beer they brought the liquor and of course we're talking Chicago we got to talk old style right oh yeah <laughs> so Another thing I miss about Chicago besides the old-style beer uh, because you could literally buy a hundred for like five bucks Um, That's probably my favorite part about old style, but um, the food Oh,
1: I miss it. Well, I miss the diversity of it I mean, um, the great thing about Chicago is it's bigger than most states in terms of population Um, And as a result, I mean any ethnicity of food you can get um like, I never had Ethiopian until I moved to Chicago. Um, and now I live in um, Arizona and it's like, well, we we got all kinds of food. We got um, Mexican food and McDonald's.
0: Yes, well, I, I don't know if you, I, I won't mention, cause I know the town, I've been there before. I won't mention where, if, unless you want to, you can talk about not it, but I know the town, there's not much there. Just saying yeah, it. It's, it's beautiful, let me just say that. It's beautiful, it is the beautiful. scenery is amazing. Um, but it's not it's it's a military town and, and it's a very specific little place. So I'll well, just leave it, it at that.
1: If you live here, uh you are active duty military, you are retired military, or do you work at the Target. That's it.
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah. So I'll 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 leave it at that. So coming from Chicago but I'm sure you've 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 lived in other places around the US, oh, especially yeah. being in the military, right? So um but yes i definitely miss the pizza although they do have some chicago style restaurants here they have luminati's you know they have rosati i gotta get
1: up to phoenix to try that uh,
0: portillo's but it's not the same though you know and you know when they make philly cheesesteaks in philadelphia everyone claims that what makes them great is the water the water that it's cooked in so no matter what you couldn't duplicate um those kind of uh, philly cheesesteaks here in arizona or any other place but apparently the same thing is, can be said for Chicago uh ribs, Chicago hot dogs, pizza, whatever. I don't know.
1: It's definitely the same uh with uh Guinness and Ireland. Um no, every smug douchebag was like, oh you haven't really tried Guinness until you tried it in Dublin. And I was like, <laughs> that's stupid. And then and then some buddies of mine, uh, we went to uh Ireland and we went to the Guinness factory and it does taste better.
0: Oh, okay. Well then Ireland, because i I love guinness i love guinness um quick story on guinness real quick i grew up in el paso all right so i didn't grow up in a big town either uh texas so going from el paso to chicago was a big deal for me right chicago is amazing i still love that city by the way Um,
1: but i imagine the first winter was probably a big adjustment so
0: it's funny but my buddy used to say that all the time and i was like okay cool i get it chicago's fucking cold and, um it, and because I it, it got old after a while right he would say it all I mean I grew up with him since like I knew him since fifth grade and um I, it got old and we got there and the first winter was one of the mildest winters they had had in like five it, six years
1: so, so it was only negative it, 20.
0: yeah it was it wasn't that bad it snowed once it didn't really stick like I mentioned I was only there for just a little over a year the winter after I left was one of the coldest. Winters they had on record. So I, 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 till this day, I still don't believe my buddy. I still give him shit about <laughs> it. Um, uh,
1: well, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I went there for uh, New Year's and um, it was, I was in the Baltimore area at the time. And um, <clears throat> so it was, I think, like 15 degrees in Baltimore when I left um, and it was negative 15 in Chicago. And you feel it, it's just, just hits you like a brick wall.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's uh, bone chilling. So the yeah. coldest, believe it or not, the, well, I don't. I'm trying to think. I th- yeah, I, I'll say it. it. The coldest place I've ever been in was Oklahoma, uh, Fort Sill. Um, I've during, heard that during the winter, and it wasn't snowing. It was the wind. The that was the cold. You couldn't cover up. So it, it had nothing to do with snow. Anything else? It was the wind. It, that's the only time that I can remember wearing. All of my military-issued winter gear. And, of course, if you're in basic training during that time, you have to wear it appropriately, right, or you don't wear it at all. Uh, And everybody has to wear the same thing. So no matter what you put on, how well you put it on, how many layers, that wind got through you. Um, For me, that was the coldest I've ever really felt I've been in Chicago uh, to visit um, and, and, you know, friends and, and that I made while I was there and family members that are still there, and um, it's been pretty cold. I've gone back, you know, obviously, you know, it was a lot colder than when I was there, but um, still nothing compares to that Oklahoma wind, man. It was crazy.
1: Well, um, I'll say this. Uh, nowhere I've ever been stationed is as cold as Chicago gets however when i'm in chicago i'm bundled up i got like winter coat i got layers on uh in the army it's like all right uh here's a track suit uh it's, it's uh 20 degrees outside go run like, yeah what yeah
0: <laughs> although the the new stuff is is better i got it's worse. off oh it's worse. really
1: the the, the new pt uniform it, it actually is it's thinner material uh it does basically nothing to shield you from the cold so uh true story uh while i was here um uh, so i was in charge of the remedial pt program and uh it was a muscle failure day and it was so cold that i was like you know what guys uh we're gonna go running because if we just stand at up bars we're gonna freeze to death
0: yeah so even this was out here in arizona
1: yeah well oh, i know it, oh, gets, okay.
0: it gets cold enough yeah it does
1: yeah uh well it gets really cold in the mornings which is when we do pt
0: so the the new uniforms I got out right before the new PTs, which is the black and yellow, right? Yeah. But the tracksuit isn't isn't better.
1: No, it's it does nothing to shield you from oh, the cold.
0: That's a shame. It just looks good.
1: It looks good. It Looks very good.
0: So yeah, I got out right before that. I, I the last you know uh, PT uniform I had was you know the the gray and the black shorts with. Um, apparently that was supposed to be um, the, the lettering, right? was supposed to uh, not glow in the dark, but, you know, when the light hits it, right? It's supposed to be reflective. Yeah. Is that the the right term? Uh,
1: that's, I think, the uh, the thought process. Uh, we still have to wear the reflective belts, or in my case, the reflective vest. Oh, the yeah, the,
0: the safety belt. Yeah. Sa- the safety belt, yeah. So, um, anyway, so Chicago, food, amazing food. I don't know. Okay what that did for you, I don't know if that changed you, I don't know if that made you a different person or not, but I Um, know that I've always, that's the one thing I always miss about Chicago, even though we have some stuff here, Um, and definitely, and and I'll say this to the people, I made some amazing friends, I lived all my life in, well, for, for the most part, up to the age of 19, in El Paso, not once did I have anybody from El Paso visit me in Chicago, but after one year of living in Chicago, I made lifelong friends, so there you go.
1: Yeah. Uh well, uh back to the comic. I mean, I guess if I was gonna to chalk anything up to its uh gestation because of Chicago, the Chicago Tribune has a comic page. So and I, I know uh it was the first section I ever read. So it was just oh, as soon know. as as soon as the newspaper got there, um like my parents would grab the actually really important ones and I'd just grab the comic page. So um, uh pretty pretty voracious uh comic strip reader as a kid.
0: When is uh, GI Lowe gonna make it on the Chicago Tribune?
1: Uh, never. Um, I, so uh, the goal always, once the comics started to pick up steam, was oh, I should get syndication. Um, but newspapers really aren't being newspapers anymore, at least That's the, the old way. They're kind of um, dying out, right? Yeah, and uh, the sections like the comic strip. Um, at this point, I think the only people that really read newspapers and read the comic strip section, uh, it's primarily. The very old the ones who grew up with it as little kids um so i mean the the transition it was pretty easy to make from uh it's like oh i want to do syndication to well this is a web comic now i guess this, everything's on the internet
0: that's true i get I, I didn't really think about that because i'm i remember as a child i remember reading the comics i remember going through the newspaper and just taking that one page or two pager (laughs) out oh yeah and just reading that and now you're right we everything is web-based so i guess the the whole um you know cartoon strip has to take a kind of a a different turn right and i guess from what i'm hearing about you know your your collaborations with uh mark baker and a few other veterans uh cartoonists is is kind of in that direction
1: yeah um i've already been turned down by the army times um GI was briefly featured in uh my old post uh, newspaper, uh, but even then, after a while, I just got kind of sick of having to go to PAO and uh, like, will this work? No. Will this work? No. Will this work? No. As a, you know, what? Yeah. The internet's going to give me a better reaction than if I put it in a com- uh, uh, newspaper.
0: Plus, you have more liberty.
1: Yeah, um, Mark has told me horror stories about the Army Times and how they would just like critique the the color of a tank. Um, like you know, fix it. And it's just like, I, I don't need that. I, I I write my comic based on my voice. I don't need someone else putting their voice in there.
0: Uh, that's that's um, ridiculous because the Army Times, I don't know how many times, and the Air Force Times too, at least that I that I've seen, how many errors I've caught on their pages. Um, so I I still have it actually to this day as as proof. The Air Force Times once printed. This is when Barack Obama was president. A picture of Barack Obama on the cover. I forget what the story is. I honestly don't remember what the story was about because the title, they they said Osama instead of Barack. Oh, good God. They said Barack Osama instead of um, uh, Barack Obama. So they misspelled I, the, the, the commander-in-chief's name on the front cover of the Air Force time. So I, I have a a hard time understanding their mentality of a fucking color of a tank when they can't even spell it.
1: <laughs> I wonder if it, that was someone trolling them.
0: I'm, but, but how did it get through? That's my thing is like, it should have gone through.
1: Yeah. we are the editors?
0: I guess. I mean, if they were, if they were trolling them, but that's a big mistake. Don't you think it would have like, okay, yeah. so that's it. You're done then. I mean, unless they were on their way out and say, you know what, this is my last hoorah, I guess. But Um, I'm actually gonna go look for that uh, paper and and post it when when this show comes out just to kind of show people We're talking about but I mean those things happen all the time and I guess you're right You are better off just kind of doing your own thing instead of trying to go through these channels and what I guess used to be the appropriate way to to get popular and maybe earn a little bit of extra cash and like you said get syndicated you can Kind of do that on your own now anyways, right?
1: yeah Um, it's a golden era for webtoons because I mean, you don't even need a website. You just get on social media and you post it. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't have to pay for Facebook or Instagram. Um, it, it's it's kind of amazing. Uh, you, if you do want your comic to be seen more, you do have to pay to boost the comics. Right. Uh, make them advertisements, which I've, I've done. Um, do you
0: have a? Is it Patreon?
1: I do not have a Patreon. Um, I know. Um, Mark. Mark does. Uh, yeah. Megan. Uh, there's a few others um so the guy who writes uh Fort Family Room has a Patreon um Bo Blues has a Patreon I have been hesitant to do that uh not cuz I have any problems with Patreon I think it's a great website um but I just I have no idea what my productivity is going to be um I've taken right. long breaks so I don't want to like make promises to uh my readers and then not be able to follow through with it especially if they're paying me money
0: cuz it's 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 a subscription based right and then so you kind of owe folks You know something at least weekly or monthly or something like that right I'm not sure how it works but I'm I follow um, you know Mark's page because I I just wanted to see and uh, the his latest stuff and everything else and just kind of to to give him uh, that support as well right Uh, because I think it's great for us to support it's important for us to support each other too um, but I, I don't know what it entails. So I I guess that's, if, if that's what it needs, if you need to do something or update things every week, then you're right. Unless that's what you're doing. It's, it's kind of hard to do that full time.
1: Yeah. Um, like my, my schedule is insane. Um, if I can produce one comic a week, I'm doing all right. Um, which I've, I've done a pretty good job of. Uh, but like when I was at the drill Start Academy, there was no way I could have made comics and, you know, been at the Academy. Right. Uh, so I, I took a few months off. Um, and then sometimes I just kind of need uh, some time because I never want to burn out in the sense that I'm making comics just to make comics. Um, I don't love everything I've made, but I at least want to, you know, be proud of it. Um, and um, if I were, Especially if I was syndicated, like I I, I don't envy syndicated cartoonist schedules, because they have to put out a comic a day, and if you're doing that, I feel like you're not necessarily going to make the funniest material.
0: Right. It's it's um. But I mean, that's that's just every artist. um, It's every writer, right? You kind of yeah. fear that you're not. And I'm not specifically saying like like you, but myself. And I I've heard other artists talk about it but that fear that you're not good enough or you can't compete or you don't have enough ideas so you couldn't possibly do it right um, I know for sure that's one of the things that stopped me from just and not necessarily just drawing cartoons or continuing dingbats but just artwork itself you know I would do something and I was like ah that's that's so shitty like that's so amateur oh, yeah. like it looks so horrible and then I w- it would stop me for like a month or two before I, I picked up a paintbrush or a pencil or, you know, a, a pen or anything. And it's just, I, that's just every um, artist out there, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's our, it's our,
1: I hope it's every artist because uh, it's, it's definitely me. Um, I mean, um, I, I have no background in artwork. Um, so the fact that the comic looks the way it does is still something of a small miracle. I'm not saying the artwork's necessarily very good, but I mean, um, I've had one art class in my entire life, and that was my senior year of college and I needed to graduate, and I was even thinking like, oh, I don't don't wanna take this. Right. Um, And uh, so, Uh, I don't know about you. Do you hate drawing hands?
0: Yes. And Megan talked about this as well um, with Scuttlebutt. She hates drawing hands. Feet and hands, I think, is people's worst nightmares.
1: Oh, my God. If you look at my comic... uh... I have characters at parade rest when they don't have to be at parade rest just to avoid drawing hands. Yep. I hate them so much.
0: And as a drill sergeant, I'm sure one of your, your, the worst things that someone could do is put their hands in their pockets, but for your, oh, your, for your comic, I'm sure that's okay.
1: That is absolutely okay.
0: Because <laughs> that way you don't have to show their, their hands. But I totally get it, man. I So here's the thing. I If I concentrate, I can draw a hand um, like a sketch, right? So, but then all it is is gonna be that hand and it's gonna be on my sketchbook and it's gonna be a very beautiful detailed hand that took me four hours to draw, right? <laughs> but if you're telling me that you're know you got, you're gonna make these comics and you wanna be consistent and you wanna be quick, then no, I'm not gonna take four hours to draw a specific hand when I still got the rest of the body to, to draw, I got words to put in, I have to be clever. Um, you have to find quick methods to do everything right and that's where I'm like, okay Well, I can either spend a ton of time on these feet on these hands or I can do a very shitty job So there's no in-between there is no in-between at all and so I had to when I was doing it I just kind of developed I I'm like look what they're, they're gonna be cartoonish and that's gonna be consistent throughout the whole thing And you're either gonna like it or you're not and that was pretty much it man
1: well, there's a comic I follow was called shell comics and it had one of the funniest comics ever, where it's a cop who's uh approaches the cartoonist surrogate. And goes, "Put your hands in the air!" And he's got his hands in his pocket. And he's like, uh, "Officer, I can't do that." And he goes, "Why not?" And he goes, "Cause I don't know how to draw hands." That's hilarious. See, that's funny. And then the, the, the cop, like, you know, turns to the cartoonist, just like, you know, like the breaks the fourth wall. Like, seriously, you went to art school?
0: That's funny. That's funny. But yeah. you know what? That's 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 not the first time I've heard that so I'm that makes me happy and that's I I think you know one of the things that I'm starting to learn the more I talk to to fellow artists and cartoonists is that we're all very similar you know and we don't all come from these art Backgrounds uh, obviously we're artists because we either are, are naturally talented or we just enjoy it. Like even Megan says, she doesn't feel like she's naturally talented. She just feels she's like she's so good. She's good, but she said these are the things she says, right? And 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 um, she just feels like she just enjoys it and that's what keeps her going. And I'm like, you know what, at the end of the day, you're right, so no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel uh, your art looks like, if you enjoy it and you love it, it's gonna show, and then people are gonna enjoy it, people are gonna like it. I mean, there's different types of artwork, there's different types of people out there, and I think that as long as it's cute, funny, um, you know something, and, and I think like Private Murphy, I think he's got all of that, right? Private Murphy, you you love him, right? It's it's a it's a it's a nice little cartoon. There's nothing fancy about it. Uh, same thing with Scuttlebutt, and same thing with GI Lowe right? It's very simple, but it's very very clever. And and Thank all you. those all those things combined, I think is what makes a good comic. And so I think we just need to stop being so insecure, man, about our our hands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's um a. Great quote. I'm going to basically paraphrase this uh, from, you know, everything kind of comes back to Charlie Brown. Um, so, Charles Schultz once said, If I had been a better artist, I would have been a painter. If I had been a better writer, I'd have been a novelist. So, in between, I became a comic strip. That's and he, funny. Cur- cartoonist. And he made like the most iconic comic strip in America, at least. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, and you
1: know, he was s- onto something.
0: Same thing, right? Very simple. Um, it, was, it, was, it was very cute it kind of it tugged at your heartstrings um, very you know kind of innocent uh, but also clever you know there were a lot of times when you read that and you're like exactly that's what I'm going through or I've been there I've seen it and with these mill tunes, I think that's the cool part is that If you're a veteran or you're in the military, you get it. You've definitely been there. I'm sure there's a ton of cases. Like you said, G.I. Low is based off of you and and things around you in the military. And same thing with Scuttlebutt and other Miltons as well. But I think it's clever enough to where people that weren't in the military, that just know the basics, they also get it. I think that's important, too.
1: I hope so. I mean, um, I've long since stopped trying to make the comic... Uh, accessible to civilians if they find it accessible then I'm proud of them Uh, but like my sister's a a comedy writer and so I would share her the comics and she's like I'm proud of you but I don't get it
0: oh because you didn't get the culture
1: yeah and um, it's worth noting we talk about like the history of G.I. Lowe in that uh, five year gap between making comics I tried my hand at stand up comedy Um, and so I went I just did open mics nothing big or anything like that but um and I didn't even think of myself as like uh, a military humorist. It was just I wanted to do stand-up and stand-up comics. They talk about their life. So I would go up there and talk about my life. And my my friends thought I was funny. But everyone else at the open mic is just crickets, And which also could be that I'm not funny. But, you know, uh, I digress. Uh, yeah. So the <laughs> MC pulled me aside. He goes, hi, first off, I'm coming to you as a veteran. Um, I get it. But at the same time, you cannot write military jokes for civilians. They oh, don't get it. Yeah. We, have our, we have our own dialect of English. That um, we have too many acronyms, too many nicknames. It's going to go over their heads. And uh going to date the story a little bit. But he's like, if you're going to tell jokes, I don't know. What, t- tell, like, don't ask, don't tell jokes. Civilians love those. I was like, that is so hacky. Right. Um, and I, I never want to be a hack, you know.
0: So it's hard between, you know, um, writing... Or creating something that is going to be both hilarious to veterans, military members, family members, and civilians that have never been in there. I know there is a fine line somewhere in there that you very could, you fine could, you could do it, but um, like you said, it also it takes that much more energy. And if you're if you're not doing this a hundred percent, and this isn't your this isn't what's feeding you either, there's no real reason for you to take that energy. And try to discover that fine line right so i so yeah. i get it um and maybe because i'm a veteran myself i i i don't quite understand why a, a civilian wouldn't, un, wouldn't understand it or get it because when i read them they're it's not like they're super elaborate it's not like a secret code i think most people when you say something like hua right or when you say like uraf with the marines people don't have to necessarily know what that means they just know that it's some kind of grunt that the military or veterans make and they're like oh okay i get it like it's their secret thing whatever and i always assume that that was enough but maybe it's not maybe maybe it doesn't hit them exactly like like it does us you know but it doesn't matter um i enjoy it (laughs) thank you very much so um Let's talk about the the actual comic like a little deeper. The character, itself sure. I know you mentioned, you know, it's 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 what you see, it's what's around you, right? But when yeah. you first created him, like, what was the idea and thought behind? Him? Like, were you trying to make him like a badass? Not a badass. No, and I guess. No. I, and I know he's not. He's the opposite of that, right? But your first thought was it that, or were you always thinking he was going to be exactly who he is right now?
1: Well, the first thing I need to correct you on is that there was ever any. Thought behind the creation of this comic, it was just the notebook or the just, character, just, just, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the comic didn't really start to to take form until about uh, four years ago. Uh, because it was just something funny happened at work, and I I doodled it. So in terms of who Low is as a character, what the storyline is, the the universe takes place in, only a couple years ago did I ever start to put any thought into that. And uh, really, what uh, Low is is the exact opposite of a GI Joe. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I, we're we're about the same age, so we both grew up with like GI Joe, the comic, yeah. uh, the so the cartoon, and you know these these badass super soldiers who can solve anything and you know are impervious in war. And I never want to make a comic about that. Um, so it was always the idea of doing, um, if not even necessarily realistic, just almost an exaggeration of a bad soldier. Um, and so, like from the bat, I always wanted him to be out of shape, incompetent, overwhelmed. Um, and so it was because I find that funnier than a super soldier.
0: So just real quick, just like Private Murphy is, if Charlie Brown had joined the military, that's how I see it. I kind of see like if Homer Simpson, I've heard that before, would have joined the military. That's GI Low.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a great comparison. I love that because I was raised on The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, uh, that so much of my humor is uh, a combination of Mad Magazine, The Simpsons, and Monty Python. I'm not saying I'm as funny as those, but I mean that, that that's what raised me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, that's those are those are good parents to have.
1: Yeah. If I was going to say anything about the Homer Simpson comparison, because I've heard that before and I love it. Um, so Lowe isn't meant to be stupid. He's just meant to not really understand. The army. Um, so I would say, if anything is, the character is sort of loosely based on my first year as an NCO, because um, I got promoted to sergeant after a year and a half in the army, and um, so I suddenly had power but no knowledge. Right. And I, I, really wanted to kind of like tap into that where you're just suddenly like you're just thrust into this position, and people around you see the uh, the chevrons, and they're like, oh, you know what you're doing and you're like yes I've, i know what i'm doing I've but there's this in, voice yeah. <laughs> screaming in the back of your head what are you doing um, so just
0: so people uh understand like the reason why is because you came in with a degree so you came in as an e4 we were talking yeah. about this and i think the you know the, the the episode you were on the the serial killer one but it, you you mentioned how because we were talking about the guy's rank and we were saying like you came in as an e4 because of your college degree so therefore making your advancement a lot quicker than
1: most it was very fast. Um and um it, it was not necessarily for the better. Uh like it, it gave, definitely gave me this inferiority complex where like I was like, you have to earn staff surgeon. And it, to this day, like people are like, oh when get start in first class. Like, do I deserve it yet? I don't know. Right. No um, that, that
0: makes I think that's 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 great. That's that makes for a great NCO to understand that you 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 need a little bit more time to develop or whatever the case may be because there's a lot of people out there that are just hungry for the rank and they don't really care about the troops so i think that shows that you you want to know what you're doing before you get to that next level. absolutely
1: like uh, again i I always try to do that with the comic um and um I, i cannot tell you the joy I felt slash terror when my first sergeant called me to let me know I was on assignment for the drill Storm Academy. Um, because at first I thought he was kidding. Um, and then I was like, Oh my God, that'd be perfect for the comic. Um, so one critique I got uh, a few years ago, uh, was that what separates GI low from any other comic out there where the punchline is basically blarg, the military sucks. Um and I was like, I don't have an answer for that um and just having that extra gimmick of okay, well, it's a comic about a bad drill sergeant as opposed to a comic about a bad sergeant right um and I was so relieved uh slash I went to the drill sergeant academy and it's
0: it's kind of hard <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i can i can imagine <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're uh, not they you're not gonna get a um, you know, uh, simple or easy school uh, when you have to then turn around and. Okay. Well, you, know, you know, I, I obviously, I, I never went to drill sergeant school, you know, but I went through basic training. And the myth was always, and I don't know if this is true or not, I'm going to assume that 90% of the things I heard about drill sergeant school are not true. But we all heard that you're like, well, they're basically like privates again. They have to yes. go through all the same shit. They have to go. So, yes. so it is pretty close to what we've heard. I mean, we've heard other stuff, but, you know, um, without getting into too much detail, essentially you, you are like privates again. You do almost have to go through basic again.
1: It is exactly like going through basic all over again. Um, so I, I love it. They uh, They find the scariest drill sergeants in the Army, and then they make them drill sergeant leaders and so it's just like i tell the soldiers all the time it's like um just imagine what a drill sergeant's drill sergeant is like no kidding yeah so yeah it's I, like
0: i didn't i didn't i didn't know that i thought most of it i was like it can't be real right like i can't imagine going through this again and then you're you know higher ranking at this point um so that that has to be um, a big shot at your ego
1: too it's, it's challenging yeah um well i'll I'll say this um I, I made a comic about this if you go way into the archive um so like I went to the drill sergeant academy and I was like, all right, I'm a staff sergeant, uh, I'm a combat veteran um I'm you know a decade removed from basic training right I'm good, and then the drill sergeant leaders walk towards you across that field, and you just instantly just feel that feeling again of oh damn shit. it. Um, and the, the best nerd comparison I've got to Going back to drill certain school are going to drill certain school is um, Have you ever read the, the the Hunger Games books or seen the movies?
0: I've seen the movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so um The first movie, you know, uh, Katniss she survives the Hunger Games and yeah, she's traumatized by it But she's like, okay, but I survived it and then in the second movie It's like by the way, you're going back to the Hunger Games. This is like F- are you kidding me? Yeah, I no- did this once already
0: yeah, that and that's what that's what I feel like and so that's why I had a hard time believing. I was like, There's no way they I, I get it, like you probably go through all the same shit, uh, that, that the you know Anyone going through boot camp goes through or basic training because you have to know that you have to teach it But I assumed that it was yes physical, but exact. you you know exactly what you're doing now So it's more like a a peer-to-peer like hey guys. This is how you do it This is how you yell without losing your voice This is and so I guess my whole thought about drill sergeant school um, I just didn't want to believe that you had to, that anyone ha- could go through that again. But I guess the rumors, uh, most of the rumors were true. So, uh,
1: well, it, it, one thing I'll say is at least when I went through, um, I don't know how it is in the age of COVID. Um, we had weekends off and that was such a weird adjustment because oh, yeah. it's like, it's like you're in basic training and you're, you're getting pushed through this whole thing. And then it's like 1700 drives. The drill star leader's like, all right, I'm going home. Yeah. I was like, Oh Wait, we, we we can we have free time? Yeah. Well, we just, I guess we, you
0: know at this point you are you know either E fives or you know staff sergeants, right? Uh, we had at,
1: some certain first classes too, yeah, and I, I imagine it was harder for them than it was for us. Yeah, I can't. Even you go imagine. from being a senior NCO to being treated like a private, right? Um, another big adjustment. Um, like people have asked me, oh, is drill sergeant school harder than basic? And it's like it is and it isn't. Uh, one thing that definitely was harder is when I was in basic, I was in my twenties. And at the Drill Sergeant Academy, I was in my thirties. Yeah. So I mean, you get hurt, you you feel it for a, a week. It's a the,
0: yeah. The the running is is a lot harder on your knees uh, when you're in your thirties than when you're in your yeah. You know, very, teens or twenties. Yeah, I was um, I, I guess you could say I was older when I joined because I was 23. Um, that's not that's but I've I've also I know there's a lot of there's much older folks that that were in the military, so I wasn't. Um, the oldest, but, um, it's definitely not 17, 18. So, yeah,
1: I, I was 23 too. So I, I oh, suddenly felt mid, yeah. I felt middle aged. Right. Um, cause we had people in their thirties when I was in basic, uh, but then most people were in their teens Yeah, and I was like, listen, youngins, I'm in my early twenties. I, I can help you get through life.
0: I, I do believe though, that being at that age, like, uh, you're still physically fit enough to where you can recover um, a little bit quicker and once you get into the groove you're fine right you're in great shape but yeah. mentally you're better off than those 17 18 year old kids so
1: yeah uh because you just have that voice uh in the back of your head that's much louder saying don't do that it's stupid yes
0: and also you're not going to die no matter how many times the drill sergeants tell you you're going to die and you're you're they're you're going to kill you they're not really going to skull fuck you um, they're not really going to do those things that they're saying they're going to do to you. Um, this is all for show, and it's going to improve oh, you as a better person.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so a year and a half before I enlisted, um, I worked in a haunted house. And um, the the rules were the same. You're supposed to scare the pay- patrons, uh, but you can't touch them. You can't right. hurt them. And so uh, as a drill sergeant, it's the same mentality. It's just, you know, um, it's not all for show, but it be, that there is that show component to it, you right. know.
0: And and as a kid, you don't get that, but, you know, there's comes an age where, like, at 23, I was like, eh, I've seen enough movies and understand this, because here's the funniest part to me is, and I'm sure you love this, but when I heard some of the things that came out of the drill sergeant's mouth, is, for me, it was harder Hilarious. not to laugh, because I'm like, that's funny, like, I want to use that one day, like, I, I hope... I get oh. to use that I hope I become an NCO um, which I did and to this day um, the one of the funniest things to me but it's not so funny to the people around me my friends or even my my relationships been <laughs> um, when I say uh, don't get stuck on stupid but everyone apparently that I use it on hates it I love it
1: I like it. <laughs> That's a, that's a very nco
0: Don't get stuck on stupid. It's very simple, and I'll probably use it for the rest of my life, and I'll probably lose relationships over it, but <laughs> I don't care. And and there's worse, obviously, but it, it was hard for me when I heard some of those things where there were kids that were like, they didn't get it, They they'd never even heard those terms, maybe they didn't watch enough, you know, combat movies or war movies, whatever, military movies. But I was like, man, I've heard that one before. This drill sergeant is not as creative. Now, there was other drill sergeants. We had a ranger drill sergeant. He was the most creative guy I ever knew. And I know you've probably heard these, but I never heard them when I joined. It was, uh, you you're you must be a genius. You must be some kind of uh, rocket surgeon. Uh, or that I've makes, heard that before. That makes about as much sense as a football bat, you know, things like that. And I was like, that, that guy's clever. That guy is my favorite and he used to come around and make us laugh on purpose. Like he used to whisper funny jokes to us and then he'd walk away and then he'd let other drill sergeants catch us laughing and be nice. like, what are you guys laughing at? We're like, well, and we can't tell on 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 drill sergeant Stafford because he'll come back and fuck us up. You know what I mean? I so, love
1: that you still know his name. I like, I feel like you never yeah, forget no, your drill sergeant's names.
0: Drill Sergeant Burke, Will Sergeant Stafford. Um, I don't remember the senior drill sergeant. He wasn't around as much. He was more over everyone else, right? But uh, definitely drill sergeant Stafford and drill sergeant Burke.
1: I remember my senior drill sergeant, uh, was drill sergeant Edwards, and she very much fit that mold of um, the shorter the drill sergeant, the scarier they are.
0: Yep, drill sergeant Burke. That was him.
1: That was yeah, him. I just remember, it was like um, we got there, and she looked like Whitney Houston's mini-me. But oh. damn, could she scream.
0: Oh, my God, and, yeah. Yeah. That was, And then this guy was a screamer, too, and he'd get right up in your face, and he always um, had breath mints. No, not even breath I'm sorry. He used to, he used to chew on hulls, like the, um, what do you call it, the um, uh, throat lozenges, you know? Yeah. And so he always smelled of hulls. Like, he got right up in your face, which you're like, that's not the worst smell in the world, but now I can't, I can't have throat lozenges because it reminds me of this guy. I <laughs> have post-traumatic stress now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's all just association. Um, but uh, one, it's sort of tied to both being Drill Sergeant and my comic strip. Um, I was torn on whether or not I wanted my soldiers to know about the comic for a really long time. Oh, um, yeah. And it, it was little things like um, I had a coffee mug with the GI Low logo on it. I was like, well, let me just you know turn it the other way so they don't see it again this is all sort of this kind of narcissism of like well of course my comic is famous everyone's heard it. i know
0: right yeah
1: <laughs> um and by the way he it, 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 brought down the earth pretty quickly where it's like oh have you heard of a comic strip called gi low and they're like no what the hell is that um never mind never, yeah. uh but uh so with the comic strip um i was like uh people were like oh this is great you know all these new soldiers you know you you have hundreds of soldiers if, if they all know about it you got hundreds of new followers and they'll share it with their friends I was like, yeah, but the comic strip was so personal to me. It was like, I didn't want work and the comic strip to kind of. Yeah, yeah. um, And so I I never brought it up at work, um, except the the other drill sergeants, because of course I got to, you know, market it somehow. Um, And then I was a Chow Hall drill sergeant one lunch, and I'm walking through the line, and one of these soldiers goes, good afternoon, G.I. Lo. Uh Uh-oh. And just, I was like, uh, so I cornered him and said, okay, I got a couple questions. One, you busted tape. Do you really need that, that many cookies? Two, how did you find out about the comic? Three, how many people know? And it was just like, oh God, it was horrible. And it, it spread like wildfire. Now everybody knows about it.
0: Eh, and now it is what it is, man. So, yeah. you know, use them as, as, um, because I was going to say those, those, those privates are probably the best ones to spread the word, the gospel
1: they they know social media very well
0: so in speaking of that so you know i'm gonna say thank you for for coming on the show but before we go because i had a great time and i know we're going to continue doing this um um and i know that we also have a lot of other stuff in common like the uh love of a serial killer uh not serial killers but the the stories the psychology behind them uh and so i know we'll we'll do some other stuff together um, Sounds great. But tell people, it, uh, yeah, tell people where to find you, where to find GI Low.
1: Uh, you, so GI is on Facebook, G period I period Low. You can also find it on Instagram. Um, I have a third book which is on the way. Um, I have a, a friend of mine has a small publishing house called Divided by Zero. Uh, so we're working together on a third book. We already have two other books that are available on Amazon. Uh, blank firing adapter and mosquito wings and teardrops but if you look up uh, either PS Barlow or GI low you should be able to find them
0: that's awesome so um, I also saw some merch on your I believe it was Instagram some people wearing some GI low shirts
1: yes Um, so if you are interested in a GI low shirt uh, I do not have a website set up but if you just PM either the Facebook page or the Instagram page uh with your size and preferred color. I've got uh black, green, gray and coyote brown. Uh let me know and I can get that shipped your way. I take uh PayPal and Cash App.
0: That's awesome, man. So any any other last words from from yourself, G.I.
1: Um I just want to say uh thank you so much for taking the time to have me on the show. Uh, this has been a heck of a good time twice now this morning. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to hear these uh episodes uh at least a month apart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun, but um, you know, I, I had a good time as well. Like I mentioned, I know it, it, it won't be the last time we, we do this. And I'm gonna reach out to to you on some other stuff too. You know, now that I've been um, three three, I've interviewed three uh, milton uh, creators, and you know, the bug bit me. The bug bit me. I need to get back out there to creating. I'm gonna. Share, I wanna see your comic strip. I'm, I'm gonna share with you. I'm gonna send it to you right after this uh, this this um, recording. And, um, that way you, you tell me, you know, uh, don't, don't go soft. You know, tell me, Hey, you know, your hands suck. <coughs> you're, you're You could work on your, on your drawing of hands and feet, but,
1: um, well, but I, I, I live in a glass house in that regard. So I ain't throwing yeah. stones.
0: So, you know, I, I, I kind of got bit by the bug and I want to get back out there and, and start doing some new stuff and. Maybe um, join you guys' group and, and I don't know, work work with some, some of you guys because it's it's definitely um, interesting. I, I I love drawing. i you know consider myself an artist. So it just it just kind of going back to, to my roots, you know, and, and like hearing you guys talk about it. it just I'm like, there's nothing better than it, it's almost like being a kid again, right? When you when you start drawing, you get lost in your your work and your comic.
1: Well, I'd say there's nothing better in the world than making people laugh. And hopefully my comic does that. Well, once again, thank you so much for having me on the show. and um, It's it's been a pleasure, man.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And for G.I. Loathe, I am Outside the Wire of Wire. Talk to you guys next time. Are you all ready to up your drinking game? absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff, who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs. This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007, and now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So, if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsintheMindedAZ.com, And their Instagram page is pretty dope.
2: Whatcha drinkin'?
0: My favorite drink ever. Pistachio blended brew with a coffee base and a little extra shot of caffeine from Sweets Cold Brew Coffee Company. Gotta get ready for that show, Crystal. And did you know that Sweets Cold Brew is the first and only cold brew coffee shop in the state of Arizona? It's for rad people only.
2: I'm rad! The only thing that would make them better is if they sold beer and wine.
0: Funny you should say that. Just check out their menu at sweetsbrew.com. That's sweets with a Z in the middle. Uh, they also got an awesome Instagram page.
2: Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. by the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram.
0: Hmm. Catino Sauce Company has the sexiest, hottest, hot. Uh, <clears throat> no, no, that's all wrong. Hold on. Catino is the sexiest, hottest, hot, hot sauce. Damn it, that's all wrong. What no. are
2: you doing?
0: Trying to record this ad for Catino Sauce Company.
2: Catino? You mean the best damn hot sauce on the planet, with tons of flavors like jalapeno, habanero, chipotle, verdi? and all kinds of others I can't pronounce. They also have amazing limited flavors like mango and blueberry.
0: Yep, that's it. My favorite is Ghost. It makes my butt burn. (laughs) You got to act fast, though, because they're always selling out of that one. Okay. Just visit KatinoSauce.com for more flavors and customized bundles. Also, go ahead and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. My homeboy and CEO of Catino Sauce Company, Jacob, will appreciate that. Um, where are you off to?
2: I'm going to check out Alien Donuts. They are a funky hip donut concept with planetary beats and out of this world treats. They have vegan, gluten-free, classics, specialty, and space-themed donuts.
0: Yum, what else do they got?
2: They also offer nitro brew coffee, rocket shakes, and freshly made ice cream.
0: And how can I find
2: them, Crystal? Well, they are located in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale on 5th Avenue. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or AlienDonuts.com. Donuts stop believing!